0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Thanks, God. Oh, no way, Noah's here? I can hear someone saying, Nana, where is he? Hi, Noah. Well, now I'm not going to be able to focus at all. <laughs> Bye, Noah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that was incredible. Okay, so they told me I'm supposed to stand a little to the side. I'm very short, and apparently I was standing here. could you can just see my eyes? above the... So we're going to do it this way. Brian already introduced me. For those of you who don't know, I'm Mike's wife, Pastor Mike, to you guys. Um, it's really good to be here. This is the second time. This morning was the first time that I was standing on this stage preaching from this building. It's pretty incredible. Not to disrespect start a secondary school, but like when you preached, we had to hang out between services in the boys' locker room. Have you ever smelled a boys' locker room? Pretty gross. Not very inspiring. So I just want to welcome you here if you're online too or if you're in-house. It's nice to be together as one big, Southside family, no matter where you're watching from. Um, Originally, Mike and I were gonna speak together last week and this week and do a two-part mini-series on if we could go back in time, what we would tell our 22-year-old selves. And for those of you who know the Enneagram, Mike's a three and I'm a nine. So that makes things like sermon prep very interesting. So Mike's a three and what threes do is they just, they face everything head on. So he had his sermons written months in advance. They were on a Google Doc, and they were all structured. You know, Corinne, come in here with her thoughts. And so he kept inviting me to edit his Google Doc and begging me to please put something on paper. But I'm a nine, and I approach everything from the side. And so all of my sermon prep was happening in my head. Long before anything goes on paper, things are happening in my head. They really are happening in my head, but that wasn't, that wasn't good for him. He was getting progressively more stressed, but I had about 800 things that I wanted to tell my 22-year-old self, and I wasn't sure how I was gonna narrow those down to like two, or maybe have one main point and 799 sub points, and you know, when was Mike gonna get a chance to speak, and so all of this was going on, and Mike was getting More and more stressed. And for those of you who don't know the Enneagram, maybe this is a better picture. It's like sermon prep for Mike and I. It's like taking a grouchy old Siamese cat and a Jack Russell Terrier puppy and putting them in a small box together and closing the lid. (laughs) So I'll just let you guys decide who's the cat and who's the puppy in that scenario. Mike's the cat, if anyone needed a hint. So anyways, at some point, quite clearly, the process broke down, and here I am by myself. If you missed Mike's talk last week, go online and watch it. It's such an encouraging message to hear what Pastor Mike would say to his 22-year-old self. So you'll be happy to know that I have narrowed down my 800 things that I would tell my 22-year-old self to one. And so if I could go back in time, And if I could say one thing to my 22-year-old self, it would simply be this, be brave. And it's actually the same thing that I would tell my 51-year-old self today. And it's the same thing that I would tell you whether you're 12, or 22, or 52, or 92, anywhere in between. Be brave. So I'm going to talk today about what, what it means to be brave physically. Set boundaries in your relationships and stick to them. What it means to be brave emotionally, face the pain of your past that's causing your present problems, and be brave spiritually. So first, be brave physically. Set boundaries in your relationships and stick to them. So I have to tell you guys that I never felt like I was brave. So my whole life, I I didn't look at the things that... I was doing as things that took courage. And in the absence of role models in my early life, I created some for myself, some imaginary role models. And they were the perfect Christian, and the perfect woman, and the perfect mom, and the perfect wife. So those were my role models. So most of my life was me focusing on all of the ways that I didn't measure up to those standards of perfection. Instead of looking at the things that I was doing, I looked at the, the ways I was falling short and the things that I could have done better. So I, I never felt brave. I thought that I knew what courage looked like, and it wasn't me. So courage to me looked like the man in the arena. You know that quote by Theodore Roosevelt? Mike loves that quote. He's used it a couple times in his sermons. And every time I would hear him read that quote, I would see him, Mike, as the man in the arena. You know, his face covered in dust and sweat and blood. The way Mike lived his life was, I thought, was what I thought courage looked like. You know, facing everything head on, rising to every challenge that came his way, building amazing things out of nothing, you know, running through concrete walls to to meet his goals. That's what courage looked like. Then something happened about six months into this counseling journey that I've been on. I'm just gonna call a quick pause there because I know that there's probably some of you out there going, oh, merciful heavens, here we go again. Every time that woman gets a microphone, it's just feelings, feelings, feelings. And you're not wrong. I am going to talk about feelings again. Um, I've been on this counseling journey for a year now with the amazing Dr. Keith Krall. He's a psychologist out of Surrey. And I've learned so many incredible things. Like, on the one hand, it's been like this terrible gut wrenching thing. And on the other hand, it's just been this incredible life-giving process. And my hope today is that if I share some of the things that I've learned in my journey, it might help some of you in your journey. So where was I? Oh, yeah, my feelings. So about six months in, something happened in one of my sessions that changed the way that I looked at myself. So for those of you who have never heard me speak before and you don't know anything about my story, uh, suffice it to say just today so we have a little bit of context is that I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Okay, so I was talking in one session about something that my dad had said to me when I was a young mom, when Mike and I had been married just a few years and we had two of our six kids, little Tori and little Lucas, and my dad said to me, Corinne, your children." Are going to go the way of the devil maybe even die because you don't obey the fifth commandment to honor your mother and father so god never intended his words to be used like that like they were in my home you know like whips to keep people in line or like this holy trump card that you can just pull out and play you know, that just ends every discussion, you're right, they're wrong, Uh, you have no responsibility, all the shame is on them. God never intended his words to be used that way. So when I was talking about that in one of my sessions, my counselor said something very unexpected. He said, don't you think it was very brave of you to turn your back on the dysfunction of your past and build something different? I swear he's like Yoda, he doesn't say much, but the things he says. So anyways, it was like this little light turned on in my head when he said that. I had never thought about what I had done in in permanently shutting the door to the dysfunction and the emotional chaos that my family brought into my life. I didn't feel brave when I thought about that. Because remember, I have the perfect Christian role model, right, and, and, and she would be way more forgiving. So I felt guilty, I felt a bit like a quitter, a coward. I definitely never felt brave. But that unexpected comment that my counselor said that day changed that. And as I reflected on what he said after that session and before the next one, I always tried to ask God what he wanted me to learn, just so that I could kind of, like, each session could build on the one before. I came across that quote again while I was reflecting, the man in the arena. Only this time, as clear as day, it wasn't Mike in the arena. It was me. And I'm going to read it to you the way I read it that day. It's not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong woman stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the woman who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends herself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst If she fails, at least she fails while daring greatly, so that her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I just felt like God spoke to me that day as I read that, when I saw myself in the arena for the first time, and he said, you are brave. I can't say very many things about myself with absolute certainty, but now I can say that. I am brave, and so are you. There's so many of you here today watching online, and you're so much braver than you think you are. The fact that you're even here today, that you got up and you opened your laptop and you started streaming the service, or you got in your car, and you drove here, despite everything you've been through, and despite everything you're currently going through, you're here, and that's brave. The fact that you are even here today shows me that you have hope, hope that with God, things can get better. And it takes so much courage to hope. Because just like me, when I was that young woman who turned her back, who closed the door on the emotional chaos that my family was bringing into my life, by being here today, like me, you're saying, the shit ends with me. The family that you build is going to be different than the one you grew up in. By being here today, you're saying the abuse ends with me. The addiction ends with me. The chaos ends with me. The dysfunction of my past ends with me. Because with God, there is hope for a better future. So for me, being brave physically meant setting boundaries with unsafe people and sticking to them. And it might mean something different for you. But I just want you to think about your relationships for a minute. If you've set boundaries with certain people because of the negative stuff that they bring into your life, And they regularly ignore those boundaries or trample all over them. Maybe it's time to take a stand. You know, I know it's scary. And I know you might feel afraid to lose that relationship. But I want you to ask yourself this question. What is a relationship? Like, what makes up a relationship? Real relationships are built on trust, it's the very foundation. And the only way that we build trust with each other is by respecting each other's boundaries. We don't always have to agree with them, but we have to respect them. That's how trust is built. And if there's no trust, there's no relationship there in the first place. So looking back on my life, if I had to point to the one thing that has made the biggest positive difference in my life and in what I tried to build, it was that. Shutting my door, shutting the door to my life on people who were bringing emotional chaos into it. So be brave physically, whatever that means for you. For me, it meant sticking to the boundaries that I had set in my relationships. And secondly, be brave emotionally. And this is such a hard one. Counseling has shown me that, you know, physically, I've done some brave things in my life, but it's also shown me that I have spent most of my life as an emotional coward. I just never showed up, you know? Like, I stuffed everything down. I I kept my masks on. And I just never showed up. Being brave emotionally means facing the pain of your past that's causing your present problems. And I know that that's really easy to say and really hard to do. It's scary and it's painful to start an inner journey. Like we don't want to revisit painful places in our past that we've spent a long time trying to forget as if we ever could. As a child, I learned, as we all do, how to put on masks to keep me safe. Like, my masks were the agreeable one, the one who doesn't ask for anything, the one who never rocks the boat, and your masks are different but you learn to put them on to protect yourself. And these patterns of of self-protection, they keep us safe for a while. And then as we grow up, at some point, those same patterns that used to save us, start to kill us. Because we all have this longing inside of us to be seen and to be loved for who we really are, behind all of our masks. And last year, I have to tell you guys, I was in a really tough place. I was feeling overwhelming anxiety, which was new to me. I didn't want to leave the house, so COVID actually just worked out perfectly for me. I was having panic attacks, and I had this deep sadness inside me that I couldn't explain. And I even had moments of rage, and I didn't know what to do. And so, at 50 years old, I was emotionally brave for the first time in my life, and I asked for help. I sent an email to Dr. Krull, who had been recommended to me by a friend, and I asked if he would take me on. Because at that moment, I knew that the only thing worse than the pain of thawing out was staying in that terrible emotionally frozen state I found myself in maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking but Corinne you're a Christian you're a pastor's wife like wasn't God enough for you isn't God enough do you really need therapy This is what I think, that God works miracles in many different ways. I remember when Maddie was first diagnosed with cancer. Some of you might not know Maddie, she's on staff here. She's on the worship band, but almost three years ago, she was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And at that time, there were some well-meaning people who told her, like, you don't need chemotherapy, reject chemotherapy. What you need is a lot of faith and maybe a little bit of CBD oil. (laughs) And those people were sincere, but they were also wrong. Because this is what I know, that God created the minds of some pretty brilliant people throughout history. And some of those people discovered this amazing fact that this combination of chemicals can actually beat cancer. God worked through faith and chemotherapy, and he healed Maddie, and that's miraculous. And in the same way, he's working through my faith and through therapy to help heal me getting help with our mental health stuff, help with figuring out why we struggle with things like anxiety and depression and anger and addiction or or why we feel stuck in our sorrow. Getting help for those things is no different than going to the doctor when you have physical health issues. It doesn't mean that you lack faith. It means that you have faith, that God works miracles in many different ways. You know, if you feel tied up in knots, if you feel stuck or frozen inside, I believe that the most emotionally brave thing that you can do is ask for help. Find a counselor. Sign up for Freedom Session. We run a course. Right here, that's for exactly that. When you feel stuck in your life, you can text the keyword free to 604 670 3040 and get more information about that. But begin an inner journey and remember that God is with you, ready to work a miracle in your life. Be brave emotionally face the pain of thawing out. Your loved ones need the real you to show up. You need the real you to show up. The you before the masks went on. The you that you were created to be. So be brave physically, set boundaries, in your relationships and stick to them. Be brave emotionally. Face the pain of your past that is causing your present problems. And thirdly, be brave spiritually. I think a lot of us have the wrong idea of what it means to be brave spiritually. You know, maybe you're thinking that it means, you know, I just need to be grateful. I just need to not dwell on the past. I need to think about the things in my life that I'm grateful for. And that sounds good, that sounds really Christian. Christian, doesn't it to say that? But can I suggest that we have a slightly wrong idea about what gratitude is? And I think that we can do emotional damage to ourselves and to the people around us when we get gratitude wrong. Here's a couple things that gratitude isn't. It isn't saying, you know, I'm in pain but other people have it worse so I'm just going to be thankful. I want to read something to you today. It's from a book called The Choice by Dr. Edith Eva Eger. It's a beautiful book. And Dr. Eger, when she was a young woman, she survived a year at Auschwitz during World War II. She lost both her parents to the gas chambers And at the end of the war, she was found by an American soldier in a pile of corpses weighing 76 pounds. These are her words. There is no hierarchy of suffering. There's nothing that makes my pain worse or better than yours. No graph on which we can plot the relative importance of one sorrow versus another. People say to me, things in my life are pretty hard right now, but I have no right to complain. It's not Auschwitz. This kind of comparison can lead us to minimize or diminish our own suffering. Being a survivor, being a thriver, requires absolute acceptance of what was and what is. If we discount our pain or punish ourselves for feeling lost or isolated, or scared about the challenges in our lives, however insignificant these challenges seem to someone else, then we're still choosing to be victims. We're not seeing our choices. We're judging ourselves. I don't want you to hear my story and say, my own suffering is less significant. I want you to hear my story and say, if she can do it, then so can I. Gratitude isn't ignoring your pain because it's not as bad as someone else's. Gratitude also isn't saying I'm in pain from my past, but my life is pretty good now, so I'm not gonna dwell. And I wanna put this in real life context for a second, using a story that Mike and I have shared before in our marriage series that we did back in January when we successfully planned four sermons and delivered them together. It was quite an accomplishment. But it was about this fateful two and a half hour drive that Mike and I took to Kelowna that happened in November. So, leading up to this drive, my counseling sessions had brought up all of these resentments that I had from early in our marriage, when Mike worked way too hard and way too much. And I felt like I had been a player on Team Mike, you know, not, not a partner just a player on, teams, on Team Mike, and I felt very alone. I never said anything. I still had on those masks, remember? I was the agreeable one, the one who never asked for anything, the one who never rocked the boat. And so on this fateful trip, for two and a half hours straight, I talked about all of the resentments and anger that I had repressed for decades. Doesn't that sound like fun? I was definitely the Siamese cat in that scenario. But I want you to understand that I wasn't blaming, and I wasn't angry. I simply had to get it out. Things that I should have said at the time, I needed to say now. I hadn't been honest with Mike about what was really going on inside of me, about what I needed. I didn't show up. I just stuffed everything down, and I kept my masks firmly in place, and that was on me. So consider for a minute the potential ways that Mike could have responded to me that day, because I think it shows perfectly how we can get gratitude wrong and cause emotional damage when we do. Mike could have said, why are you bringing all of this up? You should be grateful that I didn't abuse you or cheat on you like some women have it way worse than you. Mike also could have said, why are you bringing all of this up? Your life now is good and you should be grateful. If Mike had responded in either of these ways, this is what I would have heard. Your pain doesn't matter. You don't matter. Keep your masks on. Keep the real you stuffed down and out of sight. But Mike didn't say either of those things. What he said was this, I wholeheartedly support your resentment of me. And you know what I heard when he said that? I see you. You are safe to take off your masks with me. I will keep loving you no matter what's underneath. Acknowledging our pain and our sorrow and our anger can coexist with a heart full of gratitude. They aren't mutually exclusive. Saying that we can't feel them both at the same time, It robs us of hope, and it actually robs the cross of the power to heal us, because this is what gratitude is. It's holding in your hands, at the same time, all of your sorrow and God's loving presence. It's saying, at the same time, I am suffering and no one ever cared for me like Jesus. It's saying at the same time, I am in pain and I am not alone. Gratitude is the tremendous relief that we are not alone in our suffering. Whatever you're going through today, be brave. God is with you and he'll never Ever leave you. That's the beautiful message of the cross of Jesus Christ. The God of the universe entered into the suffering of the human race, into your suffering and my suffering. And more than that, He didn't enter into our suffering powerless or unwilling to help. His death and resurrection proves that he entered into our suffering with the purpose and the power to heal us and make us whole. A few months ago when I knew I was gonna be preaching on this topic, I asked my counselor what he would tell his 22-year-old self, because you gotta consult Yoda on things like this, right? And he said something so beautiful. He said, God is unlike anyone you will ever know. Get to know him. Get to know God. He is so gentle and loving. You don't ever need to feel ashamed in his presence. We don't love each other like God loves us. We certainly don't love ourselves the way God loves us. God is unlike anyone you will ever know. Get to know him. Because God is in the business of healing hurting people, of making broken people whole, of making terrified people brave. He can bring peace out of chaos. The fact that I'm standing here today is proof of that. He can bring peace out of chaos. The Bible says it this way, says that God will take our ashes and he will give us beauty. Get to know him. Because this is where it all comes together. Knowing that God is with you no matter what, that he loves you no matter what, that he will never leave you. That's what makes us brave. No one ever cared for you like Jesus. You should get to know him. He sees the real you, the you before all the masks went on, and he loves what he sees. There's an invitation that Jesus gives in in the Bible and it's his invitation to us today. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in spirit and you will find rest for your souls. So are you weary and burdened today? Can I just ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads for a minute? Because I know that every week we have people that tune in online, that walk through the doors, maybe never been to church before. They don't know Jesus yet. There's something that drew you here today because Jesus wants you. To get to know him so today i just want to give you that chance you know if you realize that you are done with trying to do everything on your own if you feel weary and burdened and you know you need jesus in your life i just want you to put up your hand right now whether you're here whether you're at home just put up your hand if today is the day that you want to meet Jesus and you want to ask him into your life. Okay, you can put them down. Now I want to just pray. If you put up your hand today, if you made that commitment today, just pray along with me in your heart. Jesus, Thank you that no one ever cared for me like you do. Thank you that you love me in a way that no one else does and no one else can. And Jesus, I just give my life to you today. I ask you to come into my life, into my heart, and walk with me from today, every day, every day I'm here on earth. And at the end of my days on earth, you're gonna take me to be with you in heaven. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you died and rose again for my sins. I thank you that you have the power to heal me. In Jesus' name, amen. And so for all of us today, we're gonna gonna end with a song and I really wanna encourage you to just stay you know this isn't something that we just throw in at the end of the service um it's for us to just have a moment together with god you know we we rush through our lives and we don't often just create the space for god to just speak you know for the holy spirit to come in and just show us things Shower us with his love even. We just don't make that space. So that's what we want to do here today. So as the band gets ready to play, let's all stand and sing together. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at southside__church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.